Welcome to the Stockman Grass Farmer Podcast, where our mission is to help create a healthy planet and people through profitable grass-based livestock production. Grass farming is a 24-7 job and you can't always get away, so we've put together this podcast so that you can listen while you work or whatever you're doing, but always on your schedule, whenever and wherever you want. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to freebies and special offers. Join our email family and stay up to date on our happenings and like us on social media. This is part three from the Multi-Species Grazing School. In this final section, Greg Gigi discusses the pros and cons of multi-species grazing. So there's the pigs. These are the little guys. These are about 25, 30 pounds, fresh off of mama. That's the way we buy them as feeder pigs. We were doing sows and boars for a while. It's too much, too much for Missouri. We weren't set up to do farrowing. So we run a train wire. That one's at four and that one was at eight. And it's got 8,000 volts in it. It's, it's inside our cattle and sheep corral. So when they get shocked, they go charging through it. Pow! They hit that and they can bounce it off and they get shocked again. And sometimes they'll reach up and actually grab it and chew on it. They'll put their mouth and chew on it. That's a bad, bad day for a pig. But we've got four paddock or four pins in this corral and we just rotate them. And we do that for about seven days. And boy, I mean, they're trained. We turn them out on, they go right out into the woods and woods in the edge of the pasture. And we'll run that same wire until they get up to about 40 to 50 pounds. Then we drop it down to one. Uh, we don't have a guard dog in with them. Um, we've never lost a feeder pig to a coyote yet, but we've got wire out there and it's hot. I mean, there's eight to 10,000 volts in that wire. That's our sheep uh, and guardian dog gates. All that is, is I have graduated from poly tape to poly rope. I use poly rope now. Poly rope is, oh my gosh, it's conductive. It's got, see, this has got, um, Six steel filaments in it that are conductive. Poly rope has 22. It's hot and it's, it'll last you forever. It's a rope. It's not, you know, it's about the diameter of that pencil right there. It's about that diameter and it is stout. I mean, it's a nylon, but it's got 22 steel filaments in it. And you can buy a roll of it at PowerFlex. That's who I recommend. Uh, I think it's 26. There's two different types. You can buy it in like 1,300 foot roll where you can buy the big rolls, like 2,600 feet. It's not cheap, but that gate will last you 20, 25 years. It's not gonna be something you're gonna be replacing all the time. When cattle or sheep or a guard dog hits that, they're gonna feel it, okay? There's the pigs and the rams. So we always take our rams out. We needed a place to put the pigs. These are some that we're fattening and uh, they just ran with the rams and uh, they got along great. They each like acorns. And so the rams, you can just see a line of rams and a line of pigs going underneath the trees and they're just gleaning up the acorns. There they are when we were running them with the cattle. So the hogs would stay around where there was shade and they, they'd venture out and they would eat and then they'd come back in. The hogs move with the cow? Yep. Like they would follow? Yep. The they did. Matter of fact, the hog was the lead animal. 
in sheep moves, it's always the guard dogs, the first ones through the fence. On cattle and hogs, uh-uh. It was always the hogs. Now, that changed when we put the horses in. We had three riding horses. I'm like, ah, oh, heck, I'm going to throw them horses in there too. We already had sheep, goats, chickens, cattle, and pigs. So I'm like, I'm going to throw a horse in there. So we threw our riding horses in there. This is when I got back from holistic management class. And a guy was talking about you shouldn't have any bare soil on your farm. And he came down our driveway, and there it is. I had these three stinking horses out there that weren't moved. It wasn't their fault. I call them stinking horses. It shouldn't. I'm prejudiced against horses. I don't like them. But I grew up on a horse farm. My dad had lots of them. Anyway, um, those horses had turned that field to bare dirt. It's just because we weren't moving them. It's our fault. So I took them and threw them in with the cows. The horse is the boss animal. You know why? Bigger. What else? They got teeth. They can bite. They can bite. And they'd bite them cows. Bulls didn't mess with a horse. The horse would run up and bite him on the neck. They might even turn around and give him a good kick in the ass, too. I mean, they could kick. So a horse is a predator, man. I mean, they can really go after the other. So we had the pigs and the cows together. And I'm like, I'm going to turn them horses in there. We turned them three horses in there. And then those horses saw those pigs. And I mean, they blew their nose out and they took off chasing them. And it was about 95 degrees that day. And they ran them Tamworth pigs around that field. I mean, just lickety split. Running them and eeing and farting and bucking and biting at them. And I'm like, they're going to kill them darn pigs. And these are tough pigs. They'd already been out there for a good while. If you did this to any other pig, they would have died. Them horses chased them pigs for about 30 minutes. And finally, the horses were having a great time. And they, they finally got them pigs. And pigs finally said, you know what? You can just kill us. We don't care. <laughs> and they all laid down in a pile facing out. And they had a big circle of pigs. They're all facing their predators. And the horses would take off running at them to try and get them to move. And pigs would not move. Like, no, we're done. We're not going to run anymore. And they'd run around in the circle and they'd eat in them and they'd fart and buck and kick and they'd just lay there. They wouldn't move. I went back and got in my truck and we went home. And the next day I went out there, same deal. Pig grazing, horse grazing. Nothing was looking at the other one. They worked it out. So don't try that with wimpy pigs, though. Horses will kill them. <clears throat> They'll just run them to death. But those tamworth were tough, tough pigs. <clears throat> yes? Hey, keep them from rooting up everything. So how do we keep the pigs from rooting in a pasture situation like this? The only times the pigs would root would be early spring when it was raining a lot, like March, April. And in that time period, you don't want to have the pigs out there with the cows because they will turn over sod. In the summertime, we were moving them a lot. They had all the clover they wanted. They were on big areas. We didn't see them rooting at all, and we didn't have to bring them. Now, I have a friend up in North Missouri, uh, Dennis McDonald. He's got the mangalistas. You've heard of the mangalista pigs? They've got a, well... They're a specialty grazing type pig, and they got fur on them. They got fur. It's not, it's more of a fur, not a hair. Funny looking pigs, but he just puts one ring. It's a, one of those big round rings in the nose, and, that, and that's it. They don't root, but he, he, he does ring them, and that's 
how he gets sparked. Same thing. What's that? You could do the same. Well, you could do. We did, but we never rang the pigs. Um, it was just another thing that I didn't want to really do. And if I if I'd have seen him tearing up the pastures, I would have got him up and ringed him. But the only thing we did is we castrated the little boars because we had three sows that were farrowing out on the pasture. And when they got close to farrowing, you didn't go looking for them. When they got ready to pig, you left them alone. Because a tamworth sow is the most friendly animal on your farm until she pigs. And then she turns into a grizzly bear. She'll eat you. I mean, she will. She'll get you down and she will kill you if she's got little pigs. Um, we had a guy on our farm. He was a big guy, kind of heavy set. And uh, I left him. I said he was going to go gather the eggs in the old barn up there where we were running those pigs. And we just had a Tamworth sow that had pigged. And she hadn't come in with them. She always brings them in when the little guys get big enough to, to book around. Well, she hadn't been in. And uh, it was a hot day. He went in there to gather those eggs, so I went to move the mob. When I came back, their bone was in my pickup truck with the windows rolled up. <laughs> and his eyes were about this big around. <laughs> I'm like, Bowen, what are you doing in the pickup truck? He goes, he just point, he wouldn't even get out. He's just pointing at the barn. So I went and I stuck my nose in that barn, and there was that sow laying in there where them chickens had their nests where they laid the eggs. And she had about 10 little piglets sucking on her. And old Bowen, he just kind of walked in there. <laughs> he said that sow jumped up, and he said it, he barely made it back to the truck before she, she was right there just <laughs> doing that ooing, that ooing noise, he, just as he got the door shut. And uh, that was it, boy. I mean, Bowen wouldn't go collect eggs after that until he, he stuck his nose and make sure there wasn't a hog in there. But they will. They'll get you. Uh, fresh tamworth sow is a mean critter. So we never worried about coyotes eating our baby pigs. I mean, I worried about the coyotes because if they came up on a tamworth, that coyote was in trouble. So that's old spot. That's another breed of heritage breed pigs. Um, so that's the feeder. We hand fed our pigs when we had them. And we still got some of these feeders. I like these. There's just a, a V two by 12 a CCA. And then I, I lined it with, uh, we've got these linoleum squares. I've got like 20, 30 boxes of them. I got at a, a yard sale. And we just glued those in because I don't like pigs eating on CCA wood. I wouldn't want to eat my food in a salt-treated board, so I just put that on there. And the pigs never bothered that. They never chewed on it. And these little bars going across, when you're feeding on pasture like that, if you don't have those bars on there, there'll be a dominant pig and he'll get his head started right here and he'll clean that whole side with pigs and he just knocks them all off. And then they've got to run back around then he'll start again, he'll push them off again. But with these bars on there, he can't push them off. He can only push to that bar and then he'll sit there and eat. But if you don't have those bars on there, it, them darn pigs will clean each other off. The, the dominant pig and your little pigs, the next thing you know, you got to runt because he's not getting enough to eat. And you can, hand, you can move these by hand. We just set them up on the four-wheeler. You could put runners on them and drag them with your four-wheeler or by hand or whatever. We went through some pretty brushy stuff. So this is an old bulldozer pile. We like running them in bulldozer piles because those hogs, 
they get in that bulldozer pile. They like it in there. And we'd actually take corn, just kernels of corn and throw off in there. And it's fun to watch them. They, I mean, they'll dig to China to get one kernel. They will, if they can smell it, they'll go after it and they'll get that booger. Yep. That's the cover crops that we did, the pigs in the, in the timber. So after the, the cattle went through there, we put in the cover crop like that. And um, that was just hand sown with a broadcast seeder. So the pigs would go through and just kind of muck it up a little bit. They'd turn the leaf litter over and then behind the leaf litter, we would do that. Um, one of the things I want to cover, um, and I'm not sure it's on the actual PowerPoint, is that we want to cover some of the cons of multi-species. I don't want this to be sound like it's all good. There is some cons to it. One is it does require additional fencing. So if you're going to run sheep, uh, starting out especially, you need a little bit better fencing than you do with cattle. You can't just go out there with one wire 32 inches tall and expect to keep sheep in. And I'm going to talk about how we've done that now. We do have sheep being kept in with one wire. I'm going to tell you how we did that. Uh, we like to build it once and not have to go back and build it again. A lot of people use compromised fencing. They'll go to their, their uh, local tractor supply and buy that junk, and that's what it is. It's junk. When you bring it onto your farm, it doesn't work. And you got to go back, and you got to buy the right stuff. So we're going to talk about using the right materials. And it's liability. You, these animals, you bring in more animals, different species, and they get out, you're liable. Um, we already talked about the sheep with the goats. That's not good. They actually share the parasites. Sheep can be more flighty than cattle. Now, I will tell you this. Our sheep flock used to be about half wild. They were tough to move. They were wild. And now, with this strip grazing, we're moving them every two days with wire. It's calmed them down. I can go out there and just go, sheep, 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 open the gate, and boy, here they come. Boom, they're ready to move. Where before, we'd give them a great big paddock. They might be there seven to ten days. In the bigger paddocks, we'd leave them there for two weeks. Um, of course, goats, we talked about them. They're tougher to keep in. Uh, goats, they need, they need browse. They need woody plants. If they don't have woody plants, they're not going to do well. And the pigs, uh, you've got to move those pigs. If they are just kept in one area... They would, if we'd have left them on this area, just take the cover crop off. I should have taken a picture before I seeded. They would kill those trees. The pigs will chew the bark on the trees. They'll go down and they'll chew the roots, and you'll have a bunch of dead trees. My old father-in-law from my first marriage, he was a great old man, awesome fellow. But he had 40 acres. He called it the hog lot. 40 acres of white oak timber. And he went in there and he put woven wire around that whole 40. And back in the day, folks, in Missouri, they called pigs mortgage lifters. Because every, well, two litters a year, you had a, a litter of feeder pigs. And there was a really good market for feeder pigs. And so every farmer back in the hills had pigs. And because you had a cash crop, every six months you'd have another load of feeder pigs to bring in. And he kept those hogs in that 40 acres for... Well, heck, Kenneth had pigs there for 50 years, and he, they were never moved. And he had a big concrete pad up front that he fed them on. And then he had some self-feeders up there, too. And the farrowing houses are up closer to the road. But those pigs that go through that woods, there was not one oak leaf in that whole 40 acres. Not one oak leaf. 
and the ones that fell off. And the acorns were got immediately, but the hogs went after the dirt. They ate the leaf litter. And so it turned it into this moonscape. And when it rained, it started eroding. And uh, he's been dead now 15 years. And my, my nephew inherited that farm. And uh, it still looks, I mean, all the trees are dead. That whole 40 acres, it killed every tree on it. Hope you're enjoying the presentation and we'll jump right back in. But I wanted to first remind you to visit the show notes for freebies, deals, and more. While you're there, don't forget to join our email family to stay up to date on all the current events. Now back to the show. Yeah, so hogs are really destructive when they're not moved. They will kill trees. So if you want to kill trees, you bring in hogs, they'll do it for you. But they're also going to really tear your ground up. Um, the only way to rectify that is you're going to have to have some way to get that tree out of there and get in there with heavy equipment, smooth it out, and get some grass in there. So pigs, pigs kill. They kill stuff. Um, before you spend money on anything, I think, it's a good idea to have a brainstorming session with your family and uh, identify your weakest link in your operation and stay away from investing in shiny metal. That's number one. Ian says anytime that he had to buy something for his ranch, he would wait 24 hours and he'd go down and he'd sit in the shade of a tree with a cool drink and he'd think about it. He'd brainstorm and he'd ask himself this question. What would happen today if I just didn't do nothing? In other words, before white man arrived with a firearm, how would this situation rectify itself? And he's getting ready to spend some money. We're talking about some serious cash flow or cash inflow. And he said most of the time he could figure out a, a different way around. He didn't have to spend that money. Uh, you bring in more critters. It's going to take additional labor. It's just another group of animals you've got to manage with. Uh, water points. You know, uh, a pig can't drink out of a cattle water that says tall. They can, but they're going to tear them up. They'll climb up in them. They'll break your plastic tanks. Tire tanks, they'll actually get in them. Uh, and they can break off your floats. Um, so you got to look at that, different methods of watering them. Uh, we're using wood platforms. <clears throat> so right now the sheep are rotated behind our cow herd. We've got water tanks this high. So what we did is uh, we took some of our cedar lumber that we milled and we built a series of steps with a platform so the sheep can walk up and drink out of the cattle tanks. And when the cattle come through there, we remove the platform. This cattle are big, they'll just bust they'll bust that cedar platform all to pieces. Um, partial covers on tanks. You gotta be careful. These little sheep, these little lambs and goats especially, they like walking on the ledges of tire tanks and they can fall in there. And so Greg Brand lost, what was it? He lost a bunch of sheep. I think it was four or five lambs before he took concrete blocks and he built a series of steps out of that tire tank. So if a lamb or a baby goat is pushed off in there, a jump falls in the tank, he can get on those blocks and he can walk back out. Because a tire tank, they can't get out of them. It's a death trap for a, a young animal. Just things about, you want to think about that. Um, 
Can you combine species to reduce labor? Possibly. We did with the pigs. We put the pigs in with the cows. Additional handling facilities. Uh, when we got into sheep, I didn't want to go out and buy a bunch more handling facilities. And I'm going to show you what we did, but we just modified what we had. Yeah, so that's that. So now you've got these other uh, species on. You've got to investigate potential marketing before investing. Um, farmers are real good at growing things, but we're not the best at marketing them. Oh, somebody will buy it. You get excited, and I've seen this, and I'm going to give you a couple examples. Um, we had a guy, he was a pastor. He bought a 250-acre farm up north Missouri, and he got all energized about low-lying cattle. Oh, I'm going to do low line. I'm going to do low line. I'm like, be careful. I said, they're great cattle. They're efficient on grass. You can finish them on grass. But you better make sure you can market them. Oh, I, oh there's a good market for grass-fed meat. I can sell everything I can raise. I'm like, well, what about your call cows? Well, I'll grind those into hamburger. I'm like, no, you don't realize what a call cow is. A call cow is a thin cow most of the time. She may be a bad mom or got a bad foot or bad udder, but a lot of times they've just gotten thin on you. You bring a, a call low-lying cow to the sale barn, you're going to cry all the way back to the bank. I mean, you're not going to get anything for them. They're going to steal them from you. And that's what happened to that guy. He lost his farm. He raised all these low-lying. He couldn't, he couldn't market the meat. He didn't have his marketing set up at all. He just thought people would be busting his doors down to buy his beef, and it didn't happen. He lost his farm. He had to take him to the sale barn. His banker was at the sale. And uh, he saw what those cattle brought. He pulled the loan. So be careful. Uh, those smaller breeds are great. Dexter, Lowline, Belted Galloway, those are all good breeds for certain environments as long as you can market them. But a call animal, folks, one of, the, one of your cash flows that you're going to have on your farm are call animals. It better be, or you're not, you're not uh, being the predator in your herd. I have a day timer. Well, it's in, the, it's in my room upstairs, but I have a day timer I keep in my pocket every day of the year, and I'm writing down. If a cow does anything or gets a little thin or she gives me foot rot, whatever, I don't care. It doesn't matter what it is. She does something goofy, I write her number down. She's gone. I just sell her. Now, if we've got a, a good market for grass-fed hamburger, we'll grind her. But if we don't, she's thin, sell barn. Just get rid of them. Don't let them stay on your farm. You've got to get rid of those call animals. And I know it's tough, especially if you have kids and they name them. You just can't allow that to happen. I was in Virginia, a very, very wealthy family. They had a big farm, 800 acres, beautiful farm. And uh, I went out to the cow herd. And I mean, it was a wreck. And I looked at him like, well, what are you doing with that cow? I mean, she was just a fly trap. This one cow had hair on her about that long, summertime. The flies were eating her up. And the flies were coming off of her onto the other cows and, he, and working on them. I'm like, you got to sell that cow. She goes, well, I can't. That's Petunia. I'm like, that's my daughter's cow. <laughs> like, well, your daughter's cow is killing you. You need to really get rid of that Petunia. But he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because it was named. So be careful.
This is a business. There's animals that need to be called and they need to go to town. When you uh, name animals, that doesn't happen. Um, Greg, I'm kind of curious what uh, people get for cow cows live weight. We, we can get someone combined 50 cents a pound live weight, and they just drive them down to Pennsylvania from New York and sell them at the auction. But that's yeah. what it means to us. So it's 500 bucks or. Yep. So the question was um, on call cows, what can you expect to get for that animal if you bring it to the market? And it all, it all depends on the condition of the cow. If it's a fat, open cow, she lost her calf, or she's a terrible mother, she's kicking at the calf, and you want to get rid of her, I don't put up with that. I mean, it makes me so irritable. I'm like, honey, I took care of her. You're going to kick your calf. You're out of here. That cow's going to bring, she's open. She's not bred back, but she's got pretty good condition on her. Uh, right now in today's market, a good call cow is going to bring you probably around 700 bucks. I've seen them go as high as a dollar a pound, but they're not there right now. Now, bulls, a big old bull has gotten too heavy. Um, maybe he's developed an attitude. Ours don't. We don't keep animals like that. But I've seen bulls come. Uh, <laughs> I, I brought in a call cow-calf pair last Monday. And uh, she wasn't doing any good with that calf. She wasn't milking it right. And you could tell by looking at the calf. I'm like, honey, you're gone. And the calf. I brought them in there, and they in front of me, I'm waiting for my turn. They dropped this bowl off. I mean, he was a monster. He was about that tall. And when he came out of that trailer, there was four young guys in there. They were built kind of like you and fast on their feet. And they had a dog in there with them. And that bull cleaned that pen. I mean, they put them all over the fence and had the dog down. And that dog was fast. And it was biting at that bull, and he got that dog and had him down on the ground. And luckily, the dog got it out beneath there. But yeah, there's people keep call animals for too long. That one should have been called a long time ago. But call animals, the thinner they are, the less you're going to bring. Right now, call cows in Missouri are probably around 65 cents, 70. Um, in the fall, that's another thing about marketing. You know, if you're going to just sell calves, folks, you're not going to make any money. If you're just going to sell a calf off the cow, a 400-pound calf in the fall, you might make a little bit, but you're not going to knock them dead. You need to keep that calf and winter it, have enough grass that you can winter it, sell it as a yearling. Now you've got a calf up there 650, 700 pounds, and our, our biggest cash flow right now in livestock, our biggest profit center, seed stock. You know why? There's nobody raising them. You can't go out and buy grass genetic cows today. You just can't. Go on the internet and see if you can find me 20 South Pole heifers. But you can't do it. If you do, they're going to be $2,500 a piece. There's that kind of market for grass-fed genetics right now. So why don't you want a piece of that? I'm serious. If you're gonna, It doesn't cost any more for a good animal to eat grass than it does a bad one. Raise the good ones. They're worth a lot of money. You can sell the calls. Just sell the calls, but keep them good ones. They're going to allow you to pay for that farm. Maybe put your kids through college, whatever you want to do with that money. There's money in livestock, but it's got to be the, the good ones. Them bad ones are going to kill you. You don't want them. Long, hairy things, get rid of them. Got to have a slick-headed animal. Um, 
Google three cow marketing website. That's Charlotte Smith. How many of y'all heard of Charlotte? Um, I've been pushing Charlotte for several years. She has some online stuff that you can sign up for. She gives a uh, school online and she takes you through it like step one, step two, step three. And Charlotte's whole deal is Charlotte's a very successful direct marketer, probably one of the best in the United States. I would put her up there even or above Joel Salatin. She's that good. And she's milking, I don't know, maybe seven cows, six or seven cows. She's got some chickens. I think she's got some pigs. Uh, but her, it's her marketing skills. She's got a little bitty farm store in maybe 16 by 16, but it's pretty <laughs> on the front. She's got the flowers painted on it and it's clean and it looks nice. But Mark, uh, Charlotte's whole deal is on marketing, people are buying your product because of what you tell them from your heart. So it's called marketing from the heart. You've got to have a story about your product. People don't buy your product because it's just you. They buy it because of your story. They buy it because of your kids. They buy it because you're trying to farm in sync with nature. You're, you're not the industrial feedlot. And they don't question you on price. A, a, a customer that questions you on price is not your customer. Those need to go to Sam's or Walmart or Kroger or whatever. They're not your customer. And if they're questioning you on price, then they feel like you don't have the right to make a living. Charlotte Smith, she's really good. Um, so there's conclusions on this. There's more pros than there are cons of adding multi-species. It just helps your farm. But be careful, folks. And we're going to talk more about the sequence of how we bring these in. Um, you got, so you got more solar energy that you're being collected now because you have animals that eat it. That used to be a problem plant is now being grown into lamb or goat or pig or chicken or whatever. These nuisance plants are now cash. Uh, and you're mimicking nature. It, it does build a healthy farm, and we're all about that. So, you know, there's a, there's a saying, and it goes like this, and it's engraved in marble on a public institution, ag building, in one of our states. I'm not going to tell you what state it is. It doesn't matter. But as the students go to school each day, they read this quote. It's right across the front. And it goes like this, nothing in nature is given. It is one, W-O-N. And the meaning of that quote is, unless you get a bigger piece of machinery or a bigger, meaner chemical or a bigger club, mother nature's gonna kick your tail. We've gotta control nature. It's like, what? That's what we're teaching the ag kids today that are coming out of these colleges. And it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. But you know what? The tide is changing. <laughs> I had the biggest development probably in Missouri last Friday in my career. Um, the enemy, you might say, or the people on the other side of the fence that had just been beating me up for 25 years. I got an email, email from them on Friday. The Missouri Cattlemen's Association. They're very anti-grass. It's all feedlot. You gotta give them corn. You gotta give them corn. You gotta take that calf off. Don't let it have any grain. Put it in the feedlot. And I, 
And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, I got an email from him. And the conference is going to be held in Columbia this year. And uh, they want me to be the keynote speaker. And you know what they want me to talk on? Regenerative grazing. <laughs> I'm like, what? So it's changing. And, I, and my first, my first uh, feeling to that is like, you all been beating me up for 25 years. Why would I do that? No, that's not the right thought process. You're never going to change people's minds unless there's a discussion. And so I'm going to really tone my talk down. I'm not going to beat up on feedlots. I'm just going to show them what we're doing and plant that seed, try and plant that seed in those young people. There's going to be over 500 people there. And I've got their platform for an hour and a half. Then I've got two breakout sessions in the afternoon. So I think... Somebody at the Missouri Cattle Association is getting pressure put on. It's like, you know, y'all have got a bad image. You hear it? I mean, if you go on the internet, global warming, the cow burps, the cattle and feed, people don't like that stuff. They don't like that image. And so we need to change that. Cattle are not the issue, folks. It's the only tool we have left to regenerate the soil. And without cattle, we can't do it. We can't capture the rainwater because we can't grow carbon without adding chemical fertilizer. We've got to have those ruminant animals out there. And so we have a great story. We're at the leading edge of this thing. We're, on the, we're at the front. We're not at the back anymore. We're at the front. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Well, check out the episode notes. And always remember the advice from cows and be outstanding in your field. See you next time.